Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking mock scrapes and how you can utilize them as part of your hunting strategy. All right, welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening as always. Uh, so yeah, so... This is the first recording here in the new studio. Uh, you know what? I kind of can already kind of hear it in the room a little bit. There is a little bit of an echo yet as part of the room layout. So I do still apparently have some work to do in regards to doing some sound dampening and sound absorption to eliminate some of this echo. So hopefully it's not too distracting for you. Um, but yeah, I'm excited that I'm back in or I guess essentially in the new studio or new recording area for the very first time, uh, recording my first podcast in here. So, so excited about that, uh, is a little tonight or this, uh, recording may be a little rough. Uh, it is actually 4 AM right now. I've been up since, uh, essentially 1 AM or 1 AM, I guess I should say, and, uh, been trying to get some things set up, uh, staying up essentially for the night to prep myself for working, uh, the upcoming night here, uh, going back on night shift. So hopefully I don't get too lost and start rambling too much. Um, but really I wanted to get into this episode or talk about this topic because, you know, it's mid July right now. And, you know, this is really the time where I really start, you know, ramping up my process for the upcoming deer season. Uh, this is when I primarily start getting a lot of my cameras out because uh, basically, you know, July timeframe is when you start seeing a lot of antler growth from a lot of bucks. And, you know, basically doing that last bit of prep work or planning in regards to my fall food plot, uh, you know, process essentially or planting. Uh, you know, essentially I had done my typical summer or spring or summer planning and it, it kind of, it didn't work out so well. So I did try the new process with the uh, roller crimper it worked pretty good in regards to some of the plant species but didn't get all the the different plant varieties that uh, were part of the the mix i had planted from the fall and you know basically due to the lack of rain that we received uh it didn't do all that well uh, in regards to the the planting uh, of those new crops uh, so the summer food plot summer cover crop didn't turn out as well as i hoped but again, you know, it's kind of a work in process with that new uh, roller crimper and how that would work out. So basically looking at in the next few weeks, planning the fall, you know, really the main fall food plot uh, that's going to be the main draw for the property. Now there is some corn planted uh, up on the top field that some farmers have planted. I don't know how good that's going to come in. So, you know, it's going to change the dynamics of the property a little bit. So we'll just have to see what happens over the next few months as to how the deer kind of change their pattern up a little bit. And then hopefully that fall food plot does a lot better than the summer food plot did. Over the past few years, I've incorporated doing scrapes or creating my scrapes or focusing on scrapes a lot more, uh, both on the private ground that I hunt as well as focusing on scrapes more so on uh, on public land as well. So essentially, if you don't don't already know, a mock scrape is essentially uh, a, 
a manufactured scrape that's not already there naturally to basically to get that same benefit that a, a typical scrape which would have. Now a scrape is essentially, you know, the communication hub for deer. It essentially there's two components to it. It involves essentially a dirt patch, you know, can be varied in size, usually somewhere between, you know, two feet to, up to even up to four feet or even five feet in diameter. And what has the, the more important aspect, what I think, is some form of overhead branch that would be essentially at, you know, head level for deer. Um, you know, quite often it's called a licking branch. And that's where uh, I think more of the communication or scent deposits are really happening. So the scents that are being left in a scrape, you know, again, you know, most people know that it's, a, you know, a deer will pee in the scrape or a buck will, you know, stand in the scrape and pee on itself and basically allow that, you know, urine to run down its torso gland down into the scrape, leaving a deposit of scent. You know, doe will also pee in the scrape, especially when she's in estrus. Uh, so essentially that, you know, any doe that is in estrus and is ready to breed, you know, they'll pee in that essentially kind of communicating that they're ready to be bred and then for the overhead branch you know again that's where i think a lot more of the communication happens you know throughout the summertime you'll have quite often a lot of uh, does and even fawns that will you know basically you know put their faces on or nudging or messing with that overhead branch or that licking branch and you know, they're depositing a lot of scent in that regard as well. And actually, I forgot, you know, another important aspect to uh, the, the ground component that a deer will leave their inner, inner, interdigital uh, scent. Or, uh, basically, it's that little gland that's in between their hooves. You know, uh, any deer that walks through there will be depositing a little bit of that scent. And especially those uh, bucks, as they're pawing at the ground or scraping at it, they're going to leave an additional scent from that as well again that will probably you know be more so during the pre-rut and rut phase uh, you know typically during the summertime i don't see very many bucks uh, you know pawing on the ground or you know really being aggressive with those scrapes at least this time of year anyways the other scent that's left on that on that uh, overhead branch is you know basically a, a different types of glands and, you know, they'll kind of play more of a role throughout the course of the year. So, again, those does and fawns, their preorbital gland is a little gland that's in the, essentially the corners of their eyes. You know, that excretes, uh, you know, scent as well. So, anytime they're rubbing their face on it or, you know, allowing it to rub on their eyes or over their eyes, essentially, then they're also leaving a scent deposit. And then the other big one during the course of the rut is the forehead gland. So it's essentially, uh, it's a little gland inside the forehead that will excrete uh, like a oily or almost like a waxy, um, you know, secretion. And that's going to have a significant uh, scent profile. You're going to see, especially in regards to the most or the more mature bucks, they're going to have, you know, that forehead gland is going to be the most active for them. Uh, so during that pre-rut and rut phase, you know, especially on those overhead licking branches, they are going to be depositing the most amount of scent, essentially signaling that, that they're a mature buck and that they're essentially ready to, ready to breed, essentially. So in a lot of those scents, too, you know, if we can get, I'll be getting into that a little bit 
more in depth a little bit later how you can utilize some of those different scent profiles to, you know, if you really want to make that uh, my scrape, you know, seem more natural or really, you know, create a scenario. So in some of the big benefits of, you know, a scrape or a mock scrape, especially is that it can become a focal point uh, of, of an area. So, you know, having that, that scrape, you know, the natural scrape or a mock scrape in a location is going to draw some more deer into the area, uh, or at least up to that location, uh, being kind of that, you know, that communication hub or you're kind of like that, you know, the, you know, the water cooler of, of the woods, where is this going to be an area where this deer are going to come to communicate. And as a result of that, you know, you, you can utilize that as a better way to collect inventory of the deer in the area, you know, kind of creating that you know, conigration of deer movement. You can certainly put a trail camera on that, you know, on that location and be able to monitor that and see the type type of activity. And again, it's going to be a more of a focal point uh, where you can, you know, kind of get a better idea of the deer in the area outside than just putting a camera out and seeing what passes by. So another one is too is by having that scrape or especially having a scrape established, uh, you're going to get an increased number of bucks that are going to visit that site during the course of the rut. You know, essentially, you know, the buck activity will start to increase from about mid-October, you know, through the course of the rut uh, until it starts tapering off. You may even see them uh, revisit those scrapes uh, if you're, you know, hunting still and you're into that secondary rut. And then another really, uh, you know, crucial part, especially in regards to when you're hunting or especially when you're bow hunting is that that scrape will actually create a bit of a distraction. So, you know, whatever deer you're going after will be distracted or preoccupied, you know, within that scrape or utilizing that scrape and allows you to be able to, you know, get a better chance to be able to get, you know, drawn on the deer while they're distracted or not paying attention. And also it's going to hold them in a location to where you can execute a shot without having to necessarily, uh, you know, stop the deer and you can even position it, uh, you know, to where that deer stops and stands in that scrape, you know, perpendicular to you, or maybe even quartering away a little bit. Um, so you get a nice, you know, you know, you can really focus on your shot placement, uh, or, you know, position the deer for a good shot placement. So one thing I will say too, you know, a, a scrape or putting them on scrape or, uh, hunting over a scrape is not necessarily an end all be all, you know, just because you're over a scrape or you build a my scrape, uh, is not one of those scenarios where, you know, if you build it, they will come type of deal. You do have to pay attention to the location. You know, if you're putting a my scrape, that's not in a good location where the deer aren't naturally kind of gravitating towards anyways. Uh, you may have a harder chance or ha have a harder time, uh, being able to get deer to utilize that scrape or, you know, really be even or utilize it even at all. So you, so you do have to be, uh, you know, conscious of your location. You know, really, I, I kind of focus on putting scrapes in an area where, where I already kind of assume that there's an increase, um, deer activity anyways. And then from there I can utilize it to, uh, fine tune that, you know, that movement within the area a little bit more.
So essentially what I'd like to do is I'm just going to co go over every uh, basically, you know, setup of scrape that I'm currently running right now. And, you know, basically how I utilize them in different areas and the different techniques to try to build that scrape out. So the main areas that I'm focusing on in regards to uh, scrapes or my scrapes is either travel corridors, staging areas, or directly on a food source. So some of the equipment that you're going to want to have, uh, depending on how you'd like to actually build the scrape is, you know, some type of, you know, tool to be able to rake out the, the scrape a little bit easier. Now, certainly I've, you know, built ones where I'm just kind of kicking around my boot and, you know, scuffing up the dirt just with my boots there, you know, depending on how tough the soil is or how much vegetation you're dealing with, that can be a, a tough process. You're really going to work at it. So if you bring some type of hand rake or even rakes along with you, um, especially if you're on a private piece of ground where it's a little bit easier to haul in tools, you know, that certainly is easier way to be able to open up that, um, that fresh earth and get that vegetation cleared out. Uh, another thing I always have is try to have some 550 cord or parachute cord with me. Uh, you can use that to uh, basically, you know, install a, install a licking branch that may not be within reach of a deer, or you can even, you know, kind of tie down some of the branches to where they're down, where they can be reached um, by the deer, or even you can lash in uh, a branch that not on a tree at all and tie a branch in that way you have one within, within range for the deer. And then you can get really crazy if you want to in regards to adding scent to a scrape. Now I've kind of done the whole gamut where I've, you know, taken, uh, some, you know, pre-orbital scent. I've taken, you know, torsal scent, uh, buck urine, doe urine, and kind of built the whole scenario where, you know, taking some of that pre-orbital scent, putting it up on the licking branch, and then that torsal scent, as well as the buck urine and doe urine, putting it down in the dirt and kind of creating that scenario. I've also taken, you know, using some of those uh, temperature regulated uh, automatic drippers. Uh, so, you know, Tings and some other companies have kind of those overhead drippers where you pour the, you know, the the scent or the urine in and then as it as it heats up it expands as it cools contracts and then it releases uh, that scent primarily during the daytime where you have a fresh scent and you know scent dripper uh you know essentially putting scent out during the course of the day now i've had some success with those but they seem to be a lot more work you know i ran into it where you know you fill it up uh, with scent and then, you know, by the next day, it had already ran all the scent through it. So it's a little inconsistent or can be inconsistent at the dispersal of the scent. Uh, so I found that usually they're, they're more work than what they, what the benefit is from them really. So another thing that I do, uh, quite often, especially during course of the season. Uh, so if it's already within deer season, if we're already into pre-rut or rut phase, and I want to get a jump start on that scrape to try to you know kind of draw some more attention to it. Uh, I use uh, you know essentially one of the main scents that I use for as a cover scent or attractant is uh, Comquest scent. I utilize their uh, Evercom quite a bit as a cover scent. That works really good as well to essentially kind of get a deer smell around the scrape uh, right out the get go. So.
what I typically do is I'll put some of that right into the dirt and you know the ground level of the scrape and then I've even gone so far as even putting some of it on the licking branch itself now putting it on the licking branch you know I think it's not really a necessary thing to do and sometimes I wonder if that's a detriment because it, it is a waxy substance that gets left on those branches and then sometimes I do see there's still some residue left even though this most of the sense gone that wax is still there but you know I haven't noticed it to be a, a detriment or you know cause any issues of deer movement or seeing you know a negative impact in regards to the, the deer movement or utilizing that scrape um, because of it and then the other thing I'll do with that, especially again during the rut, is take some dominant buck scent, put some fresh buck scent in there. You know, typically what I found is that if I put the uh, Evercalm in there by itself, then a lot of times I start seeing a lot of, uh, you know, does be the first ones to show up to that scrape. But by adding that buck scent, especially during the rut, I mean, I've certainly had instances where a buck will visit that scrape that very night, uh, checking it out and, you know, basically, you know, laying in his scent uh, to cover up the scent of whatever I left. I've also gone, you know, done where it's basically just open up a patch of dirt and lay out a, and, you know, set up my overhead branch for my licking branch and didn't add any scent at all. Now that's really good tactic to use. If you're, especially this time of year, or you've, you know, at least a month out of, you know, before season, where it gives the deer time to, you know, find that scrape and to be able to start adding their own natural scent to it. Because really, once once the scrapes get established, you really don't necessarily need to freshen up. Now you could, you know, especially during a rut when there's a lot of deer movement, you know, add some additional scent to it to kind of um, pique the interest. For the area uh, while you're in the stand and then of course i've done the the other thing where you know i've set up the scrape i didn't have any scent um but i need to go to the bathroom so i've you know physically peed in the scrape itself you know again i don't know if that's really a benefit and uh, you know I certainly haven't noticed any detriment by doing that but you know it does seem to you know kind of it's kind of have some of the same effect where uh, just a urine smell in the scrape itself uh, for one reason or another, you know, kind of draws some attention to it. So, you know, certainly not, not something that, you know, something that you would necessarily need to do, but if you did, you know, have to go to the bathroom, you know, you could throw some urine scent in there um, just to maybe jumpstart it just a little bit. So let's get into uh, some of my, uh, scrape setups and how I utilize them and how I, you know, go about or a strategy around each one of them. So the first one that I've got is, or one of the ones I'm, you know, kind of most interested in currently is on a, on the private piece I hunt. You know, essentially this one is right in the court travel corridor. You know, basically it's at the edge of some very thick, deep cover where a lot of the deer uh, are either bedding or feel very comfortable moving around in that thicker cover. And it's on the edge between that thick cover and a patch of mature uh, maples that's, you know, get basically got a big canopy, but just more or less open hardwoods. And then, 
you know, not far from there is the open field uh, of the main, you know, the main, I guess the big, the big main field of the property where it's basically like 50 acres of open field. And again, there is some corn planted in there currently. Um, so I'm, I imagine there's going to be some draw or movement of deer moving, you know, from the cover to the corn. So essentially what this is, is a basic kind of like a Y shape of a couple different trails where there's two trails coming out of the cover and the unit, you know, come to one or, you know, basically come to an intersection of one trail. And I've basically put this scrape right at that intersection where the, basically the three, you know, points of that trail all meet together. So, and with this, you know, with this intersection of these trails, you know, it was next to a smaller maple that doesn't necessarily have, or didn't have any good branches uh, within reach of the deer. So what I did was took a freshly cut uh, branch and essentially tied it with some 550 cord to the trunk of the tree. Again, hanging it essentially, you know, somewhere between, you know, four to four and a half feet high. You know, basically you're just kind of looking at, you know, you know, whether or not the deer can reach it or not. Essentially somewhere around head level for them. So tied that branch up, you know, basically having the end of that branch overhanging the dirt spot that I cut out or dug up a little bit you know this one uh, because of it being in the thicker cover you know i did feel more comfortable with at you know increasing the size of that uh scrape you know basically you know as the deer are walking they will notice you know that this is a big open area of just freshly turned dirt and again with this scrape being right in the middle of the trail you know any deer that is utilizing those trails uh, either has to you know directly walk into the the dirt patch of the scrape itself or they're they're going to have to either you know move their head around or basically avoid the licking branch uh, if they want to go through it without leaving any scent but more often than not there's just something about having that branch uh, right at you know head level where where they almost can't uh, help themselves they're going to uh, play around with that branch you know rub their faces in it and check the scent that from any deer that had already used it. And again, with this with this spot too, you know, in regards to the location, I actually do have a uh, bow stand that is within 25 yards of that scrape. Again, utilizing, you know, the location of being just a naturally good uh, movement area for the deer. And then by having that scrape there, having that additional draw, and having that something that the deer will focus on, they'll potentially stop that location and present a good shot. So the next one again is going to be in a travel corridor. It's uh, essentially on the other side of the property, still basically in one corner of the, the big field. You know, essentially what this is, is basically an inside corner. So where the corner of the field is, it's right on the corner. So deer will, you know, naturally, you know, follow that inside corner. And this is actually, you know, there's a little bit of a slope down from the main field. So the deer can actually walk through there without actually being at the level of the field itself. So they can kind of skirt around the edge of the field uh, and feel really secure being down in the cover and at a lower elevation. So again, another one where I've set up uh, my deer stand, you know, on the field edge and I can actually shoot into that inside corner inside the cover and that's where I set up 
the scrape as well. Again, same thing, kind of where that trail is already there naturally. That's where I built that in. Again, same thing. I didn't have a good overhead licking branch. So essentially what I did was I ran uh, a strand of 550 cord between two trees essentially, and then hung a piece of uh, a piece of grapevine down from that from that rope down into overhead the scrape. Again, same thing. That grapevine is probably somewhere between three quarters of an inch to an inch thick. So it has some little bit of weight to it. It's going to give those deer a little bit of resistance. And you and I wanted to make sure that it was a free floating and not tied up real tight. Whereas basically just going to give them too much resistance. It's not going to move around as they try to bop it around or you know hit it with their faces or as a buck, you know, moving around with their antlers. It needs to be free flowing a little bit, you know, to kind of give it a little bit more, you know, realistic action. And again with this one too. Uh, you know, I think I started this one out with some of that Conquest scent. This is one I did put some of the Evercom on the branch itself. Again, the big thing I noticed was that the does and fawns uh, utilized it first. And then as it got into the pre-rut and rut, that's when the bucks really started to, you know, become active. And they were hitting it, you know, basically, in, you know, early morning. And then, and then in the evening, and then especially during the nighttime, you know, as they were cruising at night, it was I would get a lot of pictures of them at night as well. Again, same thing, put a camera on it to be able to take inventory um, and document that movement. And then also, again, still having it within a you know bull range uh, during hunting season itself. So on this third one, again, it's still on the private piece, but this is more so in within a, uh, a transition area or a staging area. So this is more on the back side of the property, uh, near my main food plot. So essentially what I've got is the food, main food plot. There's a patch of pines, and then there's a little bit of an opening where there's some early um, successional growth, some, some pine saplings, there's some other brush, and um, you know some small willows saplings essentially coming up. So it's a nice little spot here, and then, you know, Behind that is the main creek bottom where a creek runs through and that's where a lot of the thicker cover is again. So basically that transition area where the deer can come out of that thicker cover, get into this little opening where there's some, you know, some forage and, uh, you know, different things to eat on. And then they can transition into the bigger food plot from there. In this area, you know, I've had a lot of those saplings and uh, some of that smaller brush you know, it's kind of a congregation of a bunch of rubs. Uh, even there's a, a smaller crab apple tree that's essentially grown uh, grown up a little bit now. But that's another area where I document where you know some of the bugs would leave you know some kind of impromptu scrapes uh, in the past. So this one here is uh, basically again I was trying to find the best. Uh, trail that I could essentially put it in or put that scrape right in the middle of the trail So I did find one that was you know on one trail, but pretty close to where a couple trails intersected So from this there's a couple of big mature uh, pines So what I did was I trimmed back a lot of the branches essentially making it to where this oh, this licking branch I was gonna install um, Kind of was the only branch in the neighborhood and then by having all these other branches trimmed up and having this one 
you know, hanging down and kind of out in the open. It's basically kind of sticking out like a sore thumb a little bit. So visually, you know, from a distance, you know, deer might be able to see that and, you know, you know, kind of pique its interest. It might come over, um, you know, again, it's kind of that same thing where deer just kind of can't resist, um, you know, hitting those scrapes when they see them. Same thing again, I opened up this scrape. I, I opened this one up again, probably pretty big. So I wanted to uh, kind of draw attention to it. So once the deer got close, they would notice this big, you know, bears, you know, dirt spot in re in comparison to a lot of the area where it's kind of litter with some of the pine litter and then a lot of the grasses and other weeds that are growing up around the area. So this one again, you know, I anticipate I'm going to get quite a bit more, uh, you know, either early morning or just pre-dark uh, pictures. With this being that staging area, you know, these deer are going to feel comfortable, you know, being in that area and, you know, kind of milling around in this area before they move out to the food plot. That's a little bit larger. Uh, they're going to feel nice, safe, and secure. They're not going to be on edge like they would be, you know, in the bigger fields where they feel more exposed. Same thing with this one. Again, hang hung a camera and... And then also within, you know, shooting distance of a stand where basically I've been trying to figure out how to get a stand location, you know, within the staging area. So essentially what I'm doing is I've set up or I'm going to be setting up my tree stand, you know, very close to the pond uh, and the main two track that kind of runs through the property itself. So I can, you know, utilize the pond as kind of like backstop to that will prevent deer or not allow deer to get behind me or get downwind of me. And then I can also utilize the two track to sneak in there kind of quietly without, you know, making a bunch of noise, tromping through the woods itself. So again, same thing with this one we're looking at, again, I think it's about 25, 26, maybe 30 yards uh, from the, the tree that I'm planning on hanging the stand to where that scrape is. And so, and as, as you already can tell, there's starting to be a trend where I always want to have those scrapes within shooting range of a deer stand, especially when regards to uh, when I'm bow hunting. So the next one I want to talk about is uh, actually on state land or on public land, essentially. So this one, again, is a is a staging area. You know, this area caught my eye uh, a couple years back when I was doing some scouting and there was just a... a uh, array of uh, rubs and uh, eventually found a couple of smaller again probably more impromptu or you know hasty scrapes that some bucks have made in that area and I could see too from the from the rubs you know there was definitely historical movement there so there's definitely rubs that are much older and then there were rubs that were essentially brand new from that season so with this one I utilized more so uh, the natural uh, scrapes that were already there. All I did was kind of uh, upgrade them a little bit or kind of, you know, freshen them up essentially. So with the, the, the scrapes that were there, they were probably somewhere between, a, you know, a foot to two feet uh, in diameter, at least in regards to the, the bare dirt that was exposed. What I did was I opened that up probably closer about three foot opening just to try to, you know, push back some of that weed growth and make that, you know, dirt or that freshly turned earth a little bit more uh, prominent. And then again, 
with that scrape bar being there, there was already naturally an overhead branch. This one again, with it being when I first really built it or you know came across, it was already within season. So I did take some of that rutting buck, put that down in the scrape itself, and then took some of the Evercom and put that up on the licking branch to just try to get a, a higher scent profile uh, that could hopefully you know get a, a deer's attention a little bit sooner than having them try to find it naturally um, and build up that scent organically essentially. So and again with this one I was actually very uh, pleased you know again within probably the first night or two you know I had probably one of the the biggest bucks I've seen on public land you know come and hit the scrape and then uh, basically even during the daytime because of it being in that staging area you know, I had pictures of bucks you know essentially midday and this was even still within October it wasn't even November yet and they were still feeling comfortable moving around because of the cover that was still in the area uh, and hitting that scrape um, on a routine basis again same thing with this one you know it was in an area that I planned to hunt so I had a, a stand location I think with this one is probably about 30 yards uh, again I could still shoot at that scrape you know especially in regards to on public land you do have to get a little more creative or um, you know think about a little bit more exactly where your placement of the scrape or your stand location is going to be you know certainly you know you do have some limitations where you're not able to you know cut out uh, shooting lanes or you know making a significant disturbance to any of the trees so in the next one i want to talk about is uh, on a food source now this is uh, you know basically i got kind of two examples for the food sources so for the first one i'm going to stick to that same parcel where i was just talking about the other one in that that kind of that hub or that staging area you know not far from there is a patch of white oaks and i noticed that uh, last year there was a, a significant amount of white oak uh, acorns that were in the area and there were definitely deer utilizing that so essentially you know kind of picked out a stand location and you know this patch of white oaks it wasn't too big but it was big enough where deer could certainly milly around in there and either not present a good shot or be difficult for the trail camera to really get uh, you know a good representation or you know catch all the deer movement so again, with this one, I essentially, you know, within that patch of oaks, there was a smaller one, just enough to where I was able to bend one of the branches down to create a licking branch, open up a patch of dirt. Um, again, with basically an opening where I was sitting from my tree stand and created, a, you know, essentially a moss scrape with that. Again, with this one, you know, I came across those locations during the season. So I did freshen it up with some additional scent. Again, some of that uh, running buck and some Evercom, both on the branch and on the ground as well. And again, with this one, you know, especially with the weight oak uh, drop that we had, it was, you know, not very long where I had significant amount of pictures and got uh, some, you know, some good documentation of bucks that were in the area and, you know, eating on the, acorns as well as you know immediately started to utilize that scrape as well and again with that too you know that's part of you know that idea of being able to kind of you know dictate or kind of encourage deer to, 
to basically kind of stand in one location compared to another. You know, those deer were naturally there eating with the acorns. Now I could have just left it alone without building that scrape. But with adding that scrape, again, it kind of created a, um, a bit of a focal point or something for the deer to focus on or to, you know, draw their attention to uh, while they're in the area that was in my shooting lane. Uh, and again, be able to uh, have that distraction or have something that preoccupies that deer to be able to draw on them and be able to position them to stand in a position I want them. And then the the last one I'm really going to cover is uh, you know a scrape that you put out on like in a, on a field edge or it, you know in your food plot essentially. So these ones are probably honestly some of my least favorite ones. I don't. I don't really, I guess I'd say I don't really, you know, focus on them as being, you know, a key element of the strategy, uh, but it is something that I certainly take in consideration, you know, depending on the location of where you're going to put that scrape, um, you know, certainly, you know, having it within bow range or within range of whatever, um, you know, if you're using firearm or whatnot, you know, having it within within range is not, you know, certainly not going to hurt you at all. You know, I, that's one thing I did focus on is making sure that the scrape that, that was there um, was in within bow range. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of times that you just wouldn't utilize it as I was hoping they would. You know, they've already kind of preoccupied themselves with feeding it within the food plot to where, you know, the vast majority of the the pictures I was getting or the intel I was getting uh, from the actual scrape itself would be mostly at night. So a lot of times those deer were in the food plot after dark and, you know, as they're feeding throughout the course of the night, that's when the uh, majority of the bugs were visiting that scrape within the food source. Now, again, that could be partially because of the size of the food plot I have. You know, I'm looking at about a three acre uh, opening now if you had a smaller kill plot or a food plot that was more positioned bit basically like a, a staging area instead of a destination food source like kind of like what i got uh, having that scrape uh within the food source within that you know food plot you know if you're looking at something like you know a, a half acre or a quarter acre you're gonna uh, probably see deer utilize that a lot more um, just because of the size of the plot and kind of their focus uh, within it so that actually brings up um, a story that I'll tell you in just a second as well. So, so in regards to uh, my setup, you know, again, this is essentially um, a, a pine tree that's in the food plot. It was a larger pine tree that was one that we didn't necessarily take out of the field um, just because of the size of it. And it had some naturally overhanging branches. In years past, you know, I noticed that around that, that tree, there would be multiple small, you know, scrapes that were made. You know, again, primarily probably at night. So what I ended up doing was essentially trimming back a lot of those other branches that were overhanging within a deer's reach and basically focused it on one side of the tree. That's where I had my uh, deer blind currently and had that essentially be the focal point. So instead of having or having the potential for multiple scrapes around the tree, I created essentially one, you know, central or one focal, you know, area on that tree. So all the deer, if they want to, you know, utilize a scrape, you know, that's the, that's the area that they have to use. So, 
again, kind of concentrate some of the, the scent distribution to one, one side of the tree, uh, basically forcing the deer to utilize it in an area where I could, again, you know, be able to have a camera on it a little bit easier, as well as having it on the side of the tree that I'm just currently sitting on. Um, so if a deer did utilize that while I was hunting, you know, it would be in a position where I could get a better shot. Now, another scenario or another situation that you could do or tactic that you could utilize is basically if you don't, like if you're wanting to put a scrape uh, on your food source or on the edge of your food source and you just don't have a good tree or a good area to um, be able to install as a branch or have a licking branch, you could take essentially like a, a smaller tree that you have cut down or, you know, a tree that may be fallen over or anything like that and you know dig a hole with a postal digger or something like that and basically install your own tree where where you wanted it to be and then you could utilize either natural branches that were on that tree or you know basically install you know an overhanging branch or you know again a vine or something like that some form of branch or something that hangs down uh, as your licking branch and then you could you know dig out or you know expose the soil from there you know this was a technique that i haven't used before but in regards to the previous location I was talking about with the staging area on the private piece I hunt, you know, basically that was something I was considering that I was going to have to do uh, because of the lack of, you know, larger or mature trees to be able to install that scrape from. So I, ha I was basically prepared with a postal digger and everything like that to install a tree where I wanted it. It just so happened that these, this pair of mature uh, pines just were just well enough to where, uh, again, it was still within bow range and an area where it was going to, you know, still have some natural deer movement, uh, essentially before I even installed the scrape that it would, you know, kind of boost the, the likelihood of, you know, deer utilizing that scrape. But to get back to the uh, story that I was going to tell you again, with a smaller food plot, you, you, I would anticipate, or I've seen where you have a lot more success with deer utilizing that scrape. So this is uh, from a few years back, you know, I was helping my cousin on his private piece. They were installing a new food plot. Basically it was gonna be, a, I believe it was about a half acre, uh, you know, food plot that he was gonna install essentially in a big thick of patch of pines that was just kind of an opening, it was kind of a bowl uh, that we were gonna plant this in. And again, same thing, there was a few you know, mature pines that were just too big to really take out or to clear out. So as my cousin's uh, going through and I believe he was using a road tiller, kind of road tilling the ground, getting us good soil or a good seed bed, I guess, built. I, uh, I grabbed some of the branches from some of the, the, the trees that we were clearing out, took some 550 cord, hung a, a tree branch from one of the overhead branches. And, uh, you know, the time my cousins were kind of looking at me thinking like, what am I doing? Like, and it was, it was basically kind of, it wasn't a very good branch that I was utilizing. It was kind of small. It still had pine needles on it. Um, uh, but it was, you know, kind of the best I could find, uh, in the area. Uh, so hung that branch up and, you know, at the time my cousin thought I was a little crazy, you know, thinking that the deer weren't going to utilize it all that much. And he was pleasantly surprised that, you know, even the first few times of hunting, you know, any deer that really came into that to that food plot were naturally drawn to that branch hanging down uh, within the middle of the field and would utilize that scrape. 
So again, that's a good example of, you know, if you have a smaller food plot, I've seen that they are more likely to utilize that scrape uh, in that scenario. So, and then for all those situations, you know, again, like I said, I've, I've put basically cameras on every one of them. And so in regards to your camera placement, you know, I've had situations where, you know, the camera was basically at eye level and, you know, essentially where a lot of the deer were able to see the camera. You know, it's one of those things too, it all depends on, you know, what your thought process is or how the deer seem to be reacting to that camera location, uh, especially in regards to the flash or the camera going off. You know, some deer will notice the cameras and, you know, seem like it doesn't even bother them at all. Other deer will, you know, see the camera or, you know, see the flash or whatever. And they definitely, you know, seem like they're on edge or, you know, their body language appears as though they don't really like it. So, uh, being, you know, having or thinking out your placement of your trail camera as well, I think is pretty important. You know, typically what I'm, what I'm doing is always trying to put those cameras to where they're not necessarily in the path of travel. So either a deer is, you know, working perpendicular to that camera or, um, you know, the main travel or pattern movement looks like it's walking, you know, essentially away from the camera or where the deer would have its back to the camera. You know, that is something I'll focus on as well. You know, I just don't like to have, you know, a deer coming down the trail, facing the camera and looking right at the camera as it's walking. Another thing I do quite often is try to put that camera essentially at head level or, you know, somewhere between that five to six foot range at least, and then angle it down towards where it's want, where I'm wanting it to aim. You know, just getting it up above kind of out of that, that sight line of deer uh, seems to be... Uh, I get a lot more deer actually looking at the, or I get a lot less deer looking at that camera or noticing the camera going off. So again, you know, it's, I've seen deer where they pay no mind to the cameras, but then also seen deer that seem like they're kind of anxious about it or don't really like it. So, so just by, you know, think that out or think that through a little bit, uh, you know, decreases your risk of, you know, having a deer that may spook because of that camera and you know may start avoid the area or avoiding the camera so something to keep in mind with that and then another thing um, that i kind of forgot about talking about is if you build a moss scrape and then next thing you know you know they starting to fill in with either leaves or duff or something like that from you know trees falling down or you know the stuff falling off the trees you know it doesn't necessarily and you don't see that that uh that dirt spot is staying open it doesn't necessarily mean that deer aren't visiting it so I did run a, a, a scrape uh, essentially behind or underneath some cedars. You know, essentially I opened it up and, you know, checked the cameras a few weeks later. Or, you know, basically I checked the, the scrape itself and it was all filled in with, you know, fallen, you know, you know pieces of cedar tree. Um, it was basically kind of filled in where it looked like there hadn't been where it hasn't been any activity or that scrape hadn't been visited at all. You know, basically I, I didn't see any tracks, you know, everything was kind of filled in. It looked like it was a, essentially a dead scrape. Pulled the camera, uh, brought, brought the card home and checked the camera and noticed that there was actually quite a bit of activity on that scrape. Just none of the deer were actually, uh, you know, basically you know, pawing at the ground or really doing anything with the, the dirt 
they were all focused on that overhead branch or that licking branch. So I had several bugs come through. Yeah, they just they didn't paw at the ground at all. They came in, messed with the licking branch, and then moved on. So just because you're not seeing that that ground opening up or a lot of tracks within this the scraper, if it looks like you know it's getting filled in with you know leaf litter and stuff like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that that scrape is you know a dead scrape or there's not any activity there. So when that goes through, even through summertime, you know certainly those bucks. The ones that do visit during the summertime when they're still in velvet and whatnot, you know, they're not, I haven't really noticed them really pawing on the ground or really uh, being real aggressive with the scrape. It's not until, you know, we get into that pre-rut and rut phase that they start becoming much more um, aggressive with them and, you know, leaving a lot more scent. While they're still in velvet, you especially probably won't see too much of the, of that, you know, ground getting dug up or, you know, all the, the aggressive paw marks in the, in the dirt and even during the rut and pre-rut you know you may or may not see where the buck has you know been pawing on the ground but they're probably more than likely still utilizing that licking branch overhead so so yeah so that's a lot of the different ways i utilize uh scrapes or moss scrapes again you know kind of utilizing them in different locations as well as using different techniques to establish them or maintain them you know there's really not necessarily a right way to do it um you know i would say the only really wrong way would be is if you're uh basically in a bad location you know i've ran into where i thought that i had a spot where there's tons of deer movement and this is going to be a dynamite spot and you know ultimately you know maybe a deer or two would show up during the course of the season utilize it uh, but basically learn that you know i just picked a bad spot that there weren't really that many deer around anyway. So, you know, that would be really the only big thing to do is, yeah, whether you're, or basically you picked the wrong location, you know, maybe if you, you know, visit that, that scrape location too often, uh, I could see that you could, you know, sour it a little bit by leaving too much human scent in the area. You know, you may kind of deter some deer around away from it. So once you establish that scrape, you know, I would recommend that you don't really visit too often or, you know, check, you know, actually physically check that scrape too often, you know, unless of course, you know, what I do, what I've done in the past or what I typically do is, you know, after a hunt, then I go check the scrape, see if there's any activity, see if there's any fresh prints there. Um, I might then at that point, freshen up with some additional, you know, doe urine or, you know, buck scent or something like that. Um, you know, if, especially if I'm going to come back. Uh, hunt that you know in the near future and then the other big thing too is you know there's probably not a stand location that i hunt that doesn't have some form of scrape uh within the within shooting range so certainly if you picked a spot where you expect there's going to be a lot of deer movement or suspected deer movement you know it certainly wouldn't hurt to add a you know a mock scrape in that same location it's just going to kind of sweeten that deal for you a little bit uh, give those deer just another reason to be in the area. And again, at that point then too, you could utilize them and, you know, position the deer a certain way or have them, you know, face a certain way or approach from a certain way to give you a potentially better shot opportunity. And then, yeah, I mean, and honestly too, the next point really would be is that there's no wrong time to really start uh, a mock scrape up. So, you know, certainly I found more success you know, starting them, you know, basically kind of from now, right, let me go back. So, you know, 
during the you know early spring and whatnot, that's typically not a time that I'll start a, a mock scrape. It's not until usually at least until everything's leaves out uh, when I start seeing a lot more activity around them. So anytime through early summer, all the way up until uh, the end of season is a good time to really start a mock scrape. You know, certainly anything outside of that too, it's never going to hurt you uh, building my scrape. So the best time to do a my scrape, I guess you would say, is anytime. So I think that about wraps up my rambling uh, for the morning. Uh, so hopefully a lot of this made sense to you and, um, you know, something that you, you know, if it's something that you haven't utilized before that, you know, certainly consider it. You know, again, this is kind of a main staple of my hunting strategy is to you know utilize those scrapes and you know have that as part of again like kind of my main strategy like i said there's not a stand location that i hunt that doesn't have uh, some form of scrape incorporated to it so yeah so i think that's it um you know again if we're not too much further away from deer season i mean we're looking at two months away from really the first you know season really opens up that first antler season as well as the the liberty hunt uh opens up in september so you know we're really not too far away you know again it's going to be kind of food plot season coming up or at least for your if you do a fall food plot you know hopefully the rain cooperates a little bit more uh, in that regard so this fall so a lot more success stories in regards to doing food plots uh, scouting is a big thing right now doing a lot of your summer scouting you know getting your tree stands ready getting your you know kind of your equipment kind of prepped up now because um, again you know something that you don't really want to dilly dally with or procrastinate too much on because uh, it's going to be you know season before we know it so you know doing a lot of scouting uh, trimming lanes getting tree stands hung you know certainly double check a lot of your equipment uh you know, especially if stuff that's been left out, you know, for the season. Uh, make sure you have, you know, fresh straps and everything like that. You know, basically kind of make sure that you have the equipment needed to go out and get your stuff ready uh, for season. So, yeah, so we're going to call it with that. So if you like this episode, hit that like button, subscribe to the show, share the show with your friends. And with that, as always, get out there, be safe and have fun.